Genesis 26, <clears throat> verse number 18. And Isaac digged again the wells of water, which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. And he called their names after the names by which his father called them. Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. Everybody say a flow. It said that he digged again the wells of the last generation. The reason that he had to redig the wells the last generation were because the Philistines came after the death of Abraham and filled them with earth. We understand that earth, dirt, is a type of flesh in Scripture. And the Philistines also represent a type of flesh. When the last generation died. Flesh got in the way of the flow. Until the next generation came and redug those old wells. So I want to talk to you tonight, and this is a, I believe this is a decision-making night. It's a, an overflow from this morning. It was about decisions this morning. What wind is going to blow? So tonight I feel a similar vein. The choice to make tonight is flesh or flow. Flesh or flow. Would you lay your Bibles down and would you just lift your hands and close your eyes? And I want you to begin to call on the name of the Lord. Just begin to let him know we are hungry for the deep things of God here tonight. God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. A very familiar passage of Scripture that we quote often is Isaiah 9 and 6. And he said, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And the next verse says, and of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Those two words on the end of that verse are very powerful words because they describe the nature of this kingdom that we are a part of. Instead of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. That lets me know that when God started this kingdom, he never had any intentions on ending this kingdom. Paul begins to write in the New Testament. and says, now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God be honor and glory forever and ever. Because when God started this kingdom, he never had any intentions on ending this kingdom. There are many kingdoms that have existed since the beginning of time. 
and they are kingdoms that were governed by man. Those kingdoms had a beginning, but they also had an ending. The reason that they had a beginning but also had an ending is because they were led by the arm of the flesh. But you and I are part of the only kingdom to ever exist that has a beginning, but it does not have an ending. That's because this kingdom is not governed by the arm of the flesh, but our king is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And it said of the increase of his government and peace, there would be no end. This is not a decreasing kingdom. This is an increasing kingdom. This is not a kingdom that is falling apart. This is a kingdom that is coming together. This is not a kingdom that's on its way down. This is a kingdom that it's on its way up. This is not a kingdom that is shriveling up and becoming weaker. This is a kingdom that is getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. Aren't you thankful today you're part of an eternal kingdom? So in this kingdom, a lot of times the moving of the Spirit is likened unto a river that flows. That's why Jesus said, Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And there is a flow to this kingdom that you and I are a part of. However, the issue is, is that I have noticed traveling across our movement for the last nearly eight years is that the vast majority of Pentecostals have become satisfied with visiting the flow on Sunday instead of living in the flow on Monday. But I believe God is looking for individuals in this hour that are not satisfied just visiting the flow on Sunday and Wednesday, but they want to live in the flow of God's Spirit Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday. God is raising up individuals in this generation that are so hungry for the deep things of God that they literally become one with the flow of the Spirit. Where every move that they make is governed by the river of the Spirit. Every choice that they make, every action that they carry out is governed by the river of the Spirit that is flowing in this kingdom. And so, when it comes to the flow of the Holy Ghost... You've got to understand that you never have to create a flow. There's already a flow. You never have to create a flow. There was already a flow before the first person ever walked into this building. There was a flow before the first uh, chord on the piano was ever strung, before the first uh, beating of the drum, before the first a string on a guitar before the first note was ever hit, before I ever walked to this pulpit, there was already a flow of the Holy Ghost in this building. There is nothing that man can do to manufacture, and there is nothing that flesh can do to fabricate a move of the Holy Ghost. So when it comes to the flow of the Holy Ghost, there's already a flow. You never have to create a flow you just have to find the flow. And then once you find the flow, you have to be sensitive enough to the Holy Ghost to, to learn how to conduct yourself in such a way that allows you to remain in the flow of the Holy Ghost. And I have learned through the years that if we are not careful, what we are familiar with can get in the way of the flow. What we are comfortable with can get in the way of the current of the Holy Ghost. And the greatest tool that God has ever given me in learning how to flow in the Holy Ghost is the gift of prayer. I want to tell you, prayer is not some outdated, archaic idea. But prayer is still cutting edge. Prayer is still the answer to end time revival. 
I don't know how the enemy has tricked us into believing that we can have greater revival with less prayer than previous generations. But every revival that has ever hit the earth has been ushered in on the back of men and women that were tucked away in a prayer closet. It happened in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. It happened in Topeka, Kansas. It happened in Houston, Texas. It happened on Azusa Street in Los Angeles, California. And if we're going to have revival that is unprecedented and unlike any revival we've ever seen in two. 2024, it's not going to be ushered in on the back of systems and personalities. It's going to be ushered in on the back of a church that redigs the old well of prayer. So, the greatest tool that God has ever given me in learning how to flow in the Holy Ghost is prayer. I can remember several years ago, I was in a revival. And I've told this story many times when I've preached. I was in a revival several years ago. And I had been there for probably eight or nine weeks at this point. And there was this young man that had been observing me in the way that I functioned behind the pulpit. And it was a Sunday morning and I was getting ready to go up and preach. And he came to me and he said, Brother Herring, how do you flow in the Holy Ghost while you preach? the way that you flow in the Holy Ghost while you preach? And my answer was really simple. I said, I flow in the Holy Ghost while I'm preaching the same way I flow in the Holy Ghost while I'm praying. There is no disconnect from the flow of my prayer closet to the flow of this pulpit. I know how to hear the voice of God while I'm preaching because I've learned how to hear the voice of God while I'm praying. I know what it's like for angels to walk into a church service because I have become acquainted with what angels feel like when they walk into my prayer closet. I wonder what would happen in 2024 if there were a bunch of apostolics that became acquainted with the flow of the Holy Ghost Monday through Saturday and it didn't take an hour and a half of pumping and priming once we get into the house of God just to get us connected to the flow. But I believe it is the will of God for this apostolic church to walk through those back doors already saturated in the flow of the river of the Spirit. So it is the same flow. Everything that we do, everything that I do in ministry is the overflow of my relationship with him. And so uh, when it comes to prayer, I have noticed something, and especially among this younger generation, millennials and Gen Z, I have noticed that prayer more times than not is viewed as a performance-based mindset rather than a relationship-based mindset. We view prayer through the lens of religious tradition. If we can just wake up in the morning and spend 60 minutes in prayer and then leave that prayer closet and go about our day, we can mark off that box on our spiritual to-do list and our conscience is soothed. The problem with that is we are acknowledging God for one hour of the day and ignoring God the other 23 hours of the day. But if you can wake up in the morning and get into that prayer closet and let the flow determine the clock on the wall rather than the clock on the wall determine the flow, when you come out of that prayer closet, you ought to live with such a God awareness that you become saturated in the flow of the Holy Ghost. You don't have to let the moving of the Spirit be relegated to 60 minutes of your day in your prayer closet. But when you come out of that prayer closet you can be so saturated in the flow of the Holy Ghost you can be driving your vehicle to work in the morning and all of a sudden the Holy Ghost just feels the cab of that vehicle. You can be typing up spreadsheets at your cubicle and all of a sudden you can feel the presence of God just settle down on you and you can begin to talk in tongues right there at your 9 to 5 job. You can be pushing your 
shopping cart down the aisle in Walmart. And because you're living with a God awareness and a God consciousness, uh, all of a sudden, boom, something will just hit you out of nowhere and you can begin to talk in tongues under your breath uh, right there in the aisle in Walmart. Is there anybody in this house that can rise to your feet and say, I am desperate to become saturated in the presence of God? But when it comes to prayer, there are some days you wake up in the morning and it's like prayer is the most arduous thing in the world. It's like the heavens are brass and God is a million miles away. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And I've had young people come to me and they say, I struggle to pray because when I go to prayer, I just don't feel anything. You want to know what that means whenever you go to prayer and it's like the emotion is absent? That's God teaching you relationship. He wants to know, will you show up when the tears are not flowing? And when the hair is not standing up on the back of your neck and your arm isn't covered in goosebumps? That's how relationship is developed. Because prayer cannot be emotion-based. Prayer has got to be relationship-based. You've got to get to the place where you say, I love him enough that even when I don't feel him, I am going to find a place of solitude and spend time with the God that I am in love with. And that's how relationship is developed. But then there are those other days Or you can just reach out and grab the flow of the Holy Ghost. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to labor for it. You don't have to tarry for it. It's just there. And I can remember several years ago, the Lord taught me a valuable lesson about this. Because as I said earlier, if we're not careful, familiarity can hinder the flow. And what we are comfortable with can hinder the current of the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> Several years ago, on the rare occasion that I'm able to be home, it was my custom when I'm home to wait until late at night and go up to the church, spend time in prayer when nobody's there. But I woke up one morning and I just sat on the edge of my bed and I began to send my peace out and I just began to feel after what was going on in the spirit. And it was one of those special days. I didn't have to work for it. I didn't have to tarry for it. I didn't have to dig for it. I could just reach out and grab the river of the Spirit. It was just tangible. And from the time I woke up, I could feel the Lord calling me away to a place of prayer. But because of what was familiar, and because of what I was comfortable with, I kept shutting off the invitation to prayer. And no matter what I did throughout the day, I could feel him calling me away to a place of relationship and fellowship with him. And I remember distinctly saying, God, I know you're calling me to pray, but I've got things to do today while I'm home. I'm going to go to the church later tonight, and I'm going to spend time with you in prayer. And the Holy Ghost just would not leave me alone. And finally about midnight came and I go up to the church and I walk into that dark sanctuary and I begin to pace back and forth and I begin to seek the face of God. And that flow of the Spirit that was so easily available and accessible in the earlier part of the day, it's like God took the spigot of heaven and he just shut off the flow of the Holy Ghost. Now it was arduous. Now I had to dig and I had to work for it. It felt like the heavens were brass and God was nowhere to be found. And and I remember getting frustrated and I said, God, you've been calling me away to pray all day. I'm here now and I'm ready to pray. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, next time I ask to speak to you, let's do it on my time, not yours. 
and I missed a moment of fellowship with him all because of what I was familiar with and what I was comfortable with. You've got to understand here today that the flow of the Holy Ghost cannot be confined to our schedule, but our schedule has got to be affected by the flow of the Holy Ghost. I want God to be able to speak to me whenever God gets ready to speak to me. And there is a progression to the flow of this kingdom. It might start ankle deep, but that doesn't give you a license for it to end ankle deep. But if you start ankle deep, there should come a point in your life where you get into the deep things of God. And Jesus understood this principle because in Luke chapter 5, the Bible said that Jesus stood on the shore and then it said that he thrust out a little from the land and then it said that he launched out into the deep and when Jesus got into the deep he looked at Simon Peter and he said let down your net but Simon Peter was caught up in the way that he had always done things he said but master we have toiled all the night Simon Peter's problem was he was being called to a deep ministry but he could not get it past a shallow mindset. There was a deep calling on his life, but he was too bound by shallow concepts. But when you study other gospel accounts, you will find out that there is part truth and there is part error to what Simon Peter said. He said, we have toiled all the night. But in other gospel accounts, the Bible says that Simon Peter was standing on the shore and he was casting his nets into the shallow. So yes, Simon Peter, you have toiled all the night, but you've been toiling in the shallow. I want you to take what you've been doing in the shallow and do the same thing in the deep and watch how different the results are. And so here's the revelation. He was not asking Simon Peter to change his labor. He was asking Simon Peter to change his level. When you take what you've always done and go to a deeper level with it, there will be a breakthrough that will turn your world upside down. God's not asking you to stop praying. He's asking you to take that prayer to a deeper level. He's not asking you to stop fasting. He's asking you to take it to a deeper level. He's not asking you to be more separate. From, he's not asking you to change your separation. He's asking you to take that separation deeper than it's ever gone. And I'll go a step further. He's not asking you to stop giving. He's asking you to take that giving to a deeper level. Is there anybody in this house? that'll say I want to take my labor and go deeper than I've ever gone and then watch that net begin to break and that boat begin to sink And so there is a progression to the flow of this kingdom and in Ezekiel 47 the Bible said that Ezekiel saw a river and it began to flow out of the gate eastward. And it started at the throne room of God and it flowed out of the gate eastward. And I want you to notice something. It started in the house of God. And the further it got away from the house of God, he said it started ankle deep. And then it went knee deep. And then it went waist deep and chest deep until finally it was waters that he could not even swim in. But watch this. It was not deeper in the house of God. The further away from the house of God the river got, the deeper the river got. Can I tell you that the metric of depth for your life is not measured by how deep you get into the flow in this house. It's measured by how deep you get into the flow in your house. Anybody can get into the flow at Wins Conference. Anybody can get into the flow on Sunday morning or on Sunday night. But what about Monday morning when life beats you upside the head? What about when your family is falling apart? What about when your kids are sick? What about when you get the diagnosis from the doctor? What about when you've got an unstable job and you're not sure if you're going to be able to make the ends meet for this month? Can you get into the flow then? I've got an answer for you. Yes, you can. You can get however deep into the flow. Your desperation will take you. God have mercy. Huh. 
He said it started ankle deep and then it went knee deep and then it went waist deep and chest deep until he said, it's such a deep flow, it's waters that I can't even swim in. I have learned through the years that the reason some people like to stay in the shallow is because when you stay in the shallow, you can enjoy the emotion of the flow on Sunday without devotion to the flow on Monday. When you're in the shallow, you can get in on Sunday and then get out on Monday. You can feel the exhilaration and the goosebumps uh, on Sunday night uh, and then ignore God on Monday. But when it's waters you can't even swim in, you can run, but you can't hide from the Holy Ghost. Uh, you can do everything you can to get away from it, but you're saturated in the presence of God. Come on, somebody. Is there anybody in this house that is desperate in 2024 not to just visit the flow, but I want to live in the presence of God. Why don't you lift your voice in this house and say, take us deeper in this place, God. He said when that river began to flow, every dead thing that came in contact with that river came back to life. I'm going to tell you this area is not dead. It just needs to get in touch with the river of the kingdom that you and I are a part of. Because whenever this river begins to flow, things that you never thought would live will begin to come back to life. But I feel a prophetic unction on me right now. Whenever this river begins to flow, that prodigal you never thought would come back, you're going to look up and they're going to walk through the back doors. When this river begins to flow drug addicts and alcoholics uh, that you're used to seeing laying on the side of the street they're going to walk through the back doors uh, and God will fill them with the Holy Ghost uh, and give them a good job uh, and they become a financial pillar for this church uh, when this river begins to flow uh, those backsliders you never thought would come back they're going to come back when this river begins to flow miracles you've never seen in the history of this church uh, they're going to start happening when Wheelchairs will be abandoned. Canes will be left at the altar. Blinded eyes will be open. Deaf ears will be unstopped. The lame will begin to walk. Hey, the dead might even get raised when this river begins to flow. And I appreciate the planning of this church. I appreciate everything that this church puts together at the planning meetings of every year. I appreciate how organized and structured this church is. But Ezekiel said he looked and the trees on the banks of that river, he said they bore fruit every month of the year. When you get connected to the flow of this kingdom, the law of the harvest doesn't even matter anymore. You can begin to reap when you should have been so you can begin to reap when it should have been a dry season. We have let clocks and calendars do more to hinder a move of the Holy Ghost than what the devil ever could. I'm praying God would awaken a hunger in the apostolic church in 2024 that if he wants to give us a revival that causes us to erase the calendar and throw out the clock, then so be it. We just want the deep things of God. We just want a revival that'll turn this area upside down. Somebody ought to stand to your feet and shout in this house right now. I'm telling you, if you got to clear your calendar, if you got to pull that clock off the wall, you do whatever you got to do. Every Sunday can be Revival Sunday.
You don't need a Caleb Herring revival. You need a River of the Kingdom revival. You don't need a Dylan Morgan revival. And that's my best friend. But I guarantee you he'd say the same thing. You don't need a revival relegated to a man. You need a revival relegated to the flow of the Spirit. Whatever you want to do, God, just let us be led by the Spirit. But I'm going to tell you, it's going to cost you if you want the flow that I'm talking about. Because when the children of Israel came out of, came out of Egypt... The first time the Amalekites attacked them was when the enemy heard that there was a flow. He heard that there was a man that smote a rock with a rod and all of a sudden water began to come out of that rock. You've got to understand that in that day and hour, in those biblical times when there was a well that was dug, it signified ownership of that area. It signified jurisdiction of that area. It signified authority in that area. And the enemy heard those children that just came out of bondage, they've got a flow. They've got authority in this area. The enemy did not attack them until there was a flow. If you want the enemy to leave you alone, then get out of the flow. But I believe there's a church that is in this house tonight that'll say, if we gotta fight every devil in hell, give us the flow anyway. If we gotta fight every adversary, just give us the flow of the Holy Ghost. Let's lift our hands and lift our voices in this house. Come on, push. He stepped out a little further and it was knee deep, but he was still connected to the riverbed. And he stepped out a little further. And it was waist deep, but he was still connected to the riverbed. And he went a little further, and it was chest deep, but he was still connected to the riverbed. Do you know what that riverbed is made out of? Dirt. Flesh. He was waist deep in the flow. He wasn't shallow by any means, but he was still connected to the flesh. And there are too many people that have learned how to get deep, yet still stay connected to the flesh. The problem with that is your entire life is not governed by the spirit because your head is still above water. But all it took was one more step. There came a point where all that was above the water was just his nose and he could barely breathe. But one more step was all that it took. And he disconnected from the flesh. Some of you in this room, you're not shallow by any means, but you have reached a place where you have learned how to tap into some things yet still be connected to the flesh. You are one step away from disconnecting from the flesh and getting saturated in the river of the kingdom that I am preaching about here today. One step. One step. And Genesis 26 said that Isaac, he went to Gerar. Isaac could have gone anywhere and done anything, but he went to Gerar. And the reason that he went to Gerar is because he knew the last generation dug wells here for a reason. They must have known there was a flow that was untapped. So he went and he started redigging those old wells. 
I'm preaching to this younger generation right here. There's some wells that the last generation dug. And I have watched in our movement how all of a sudden flesh has come along and filled up those wells. Uh, but there's an Isaac, well, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. There's an Isaac generation that is going back. Uh, and we're revisiting those old wells that the elders dug. Uh, and we are getting the flesh out of the way. My question is, uh, is when Abraham died, why wasn't there anybody to keep the Philistines from filling those wells with flesh? Uh, but I believe there's a generation uh, that God is calling to the forefront front in this hour that will defend the wells of the last generation. Come on, I need some help from that 40 and under crowd. There might have been some wells that were filled with flesh that the last generation had, that the last generation dug, and when they died, maybe there was a generation in between them that did not fight for those wells. But we're going back to Gerar, and we're going to redig the wells that those elders dug years ago. We're going to redig those wells that the elders dug years ago. We're not interested in starting our own wells. We want those wells of that last generation. I said, we want those wells of the last generation. We don't need new wells. Hey, it said that whenever Isaac redug those wells, he named them the same names that his father named them. He didn't dig an old well and then try to call it something different. In this generation, we're trying to redig the old well of prayer and call it practice and preparation. We're trying to redig the old well of fasting and call it getting off social media for a few days. I'm going to tell you, getting off social media, it might eliminate some distractions, but it's not going to kill your flesh. We got to get back to real biblical fasting in the apostolic church. We cannot redig the old well of prayer and try to name it something different and say, well, we just want to practice and make sure we sound good. Or we just want to put the sermon together and make sure that it's great and that it's going to impress somebody. No, I'd rather somebody that's been spending time with Jesus Monday through Saturday and they may not hit every chord just right or quote every scripture just right. But when they open their mouth, the atmosphere begins to shift. Let's lift our hands and let's pray here for a moment. Come on, I'm calling on this 40 and under crowd. You need to grab your shovel right now in the spirit and begin to dig that well. Come on, we got to get back to praying. We got to get back to building altars in our prayer closet at home. We can't just pray whenever it's Sunday and Wednesday. We got to get saturated in the river of prayer. I feel an urgency in me to contend for things in 2024. Because I'm tired of seeing my generation try and redig old wells and name them something different. We're trying to redig the old well. God help me. We're trying to redig the old well of separation, outward holiness.
We're calling it tolerance and unity. I'm all for unity. But not at the expense of our apostolic identity. When things are being let go of where outward separation is concerned, we cannot be unified. telling you in the Holy Ghost there is there is a clear distinction that is about to be drawn in the apostolic church because for a while now that line has been very narrow it's been very thin but that line is about to get more distinct more bold more clear and that line is going to separate the ones that are holding on and that are and the ones that are just trying to go along to get along but they're letting go of apostolic identity Some people have learned how to live in both worlds, but that, that those days are coming to a quick end. I believe I've told this here, but I feel a nudge in the Holy Ghost to say it again. I didn't know Brother Barnes, but I was close to men that, I am close to men that did know him, that were very close to him, and they told me on numerous occasions that before Brother Barnes died, he prophesied that in the end times, God and the church would be moving along side by side in the same direction. And then all of a sudden, God would make a shift and there would be a shift in the Holy Ghost. And those that are compromising and those that are satisfied with just church as usual, they're not going to be hungry enough to pick up on the shift in the spirit and they're going to keep on going. But those that are holding on to apostolic identity and are hungry for end time revival, they're going to be hungry enough to pick up on the shift that God makes and they're going to make the turn with him. He said the danger when that is, is those that miss it, he's not going to come back and get them back on track. We are seeing that shift right now in the apostolic movement. There's a decision we've got to make here tonight. Flesh or flow. Because when it comes to redigging these old wells, we start asking the question, does that really matter? It matters because Abraham dug that well for a reason. You look at Judges chapter 12, the men of Gilead capture a certain portion of the Jordan River. And they said, any man that approaches this flow, if he wants access to this flow, make him say Shibboleth. And if he cannot say Shibboleth, kill him. And there was an Ephraimite that approached the river. And they said, say Shibboleth. And the Bible said that his mouth could not frame the words to pronounce it. And instead of saying shibboleth, he said sibboleth. Most would say, what's the big deal? It's close enough. But when he removed one letter, he was denied access to the flow. One letter is all it takes for us to compromise. For the apostolic church to lose access to the flow that God's given us since the book of Acts. Well, is uncut hair, is it really that big of a deal? Is gender distinction really that big of a deal? Is not going to worldly places, is it really that big of a deal? Shamefacedness and sobriety, is it really that big of a deal?
Acts 2.38, is it really that big of a deal? What about the oneness of God? Can't we just baptize in the titles Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and then say Jesus at the end, and everybody's happy? One letter is all it takes, and we lose access to the flow. But there's an Isaac generation that's coming, and they've got their shovels in their hands, and they're not interested in this thing being ushered in on talent and ability. And being built around personality and social media presence and marketing. But they're in a prayer closet somewhere and they're getting a hold of the presence of God. I know this isn't popular preaching, but it's what I feel in the Holy Ghost, and I make no apology for it. I don't need the elders to shut me off right now. I need you backing up this young preacher. Flesh or flow. We've got a decision to make. Some of you are one step away from disconnecting from the flesh. Until your life is saturated in the flow of the Holy Ghost. Mm. Well, I'm trying to move on, but I feel a spirit of prayer hitting me right now. There it is. You know what's been happening? We've been digging for the last 30 minutes. And I'm starting to see that ground break. And I see water bubbling. Come on, there's been flesh in the way of some of your wells. There's elders in this room. Years ago, you had an old well of prayer, Doug. You had an old well of fasting and Bible reading, Doug. But somewhere along the way, you let flesh get in the way. It's time you grab your shovel. At, come on, Abraham. I want you to lift your hands and begin to pray all over this house. Here it is. I'm, I'm going to leave you with this. I'm going to leave you with this. It's breaking. But I'm going to leave you with this. Because when I turn you loose, you've got to pray with this mindset. You've got to pray with this understanding. It said that when he redug those wells and named them the same thing as the last generation, it said Isaac found there a well of springing water. 
When he redug the wells of the last generation, he found the flow the last generation did not find. God wants to give this generation a revival that no generation before us has ever seen. But it will not happen until we redig the last generation's wells. I feel angels moving in this room right now. I'm, I can't get away from preaching to this generation. When it was transferred from Moses to Joshua, Joshua chapter 3, the Bible says, the Bible says that Joshua was getting ready to lead them into the promised land. And the Lord spoke to Joshua and said, you've never passed this way before. They had to cross the Jordan River. That seems like a paradox. How can God say you've never passed this way before? But all throughout the history of the nation of Israel, they crossed the Jordan River countless times. It's because the Bible goes on to say that the banks overflowed during all the time of harvest. He looked at that younger generation and said, I'm trying to take you to a place that no generation before you's ever been. And this time, the flow you're about to access is deeper than it's ever been. And this is what Joshua said. He said, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. We've got to sanctify ourselves in this generation. There are things that our generation has opened the door to that we may not have Bible against. But like that Jerusalem council, they said it is good to us and the Holy Ghost. We got to get back to convictions. We, we've got the letter of the law down, but we got to get back to the spirit of the law. Where if there's a place we want to go that maybe there's no Bible for, there ought to be a check in our spirit. It says, don't go there. Don't wear that. Don't listen to that. Don't download that app. You say, well, what about, what does the Bible say about it? You may not have any Bible for it, but it can hinder the flow. And the Bible goes on to say, when they crossed the river, that the Lord magnified Joshua in the sight of all of Israel. He reached down and he grabbed that younger generation and he elevated them so greatly that the nation equated Joshua with Moses. When this generation sanctifies itself and we go where God's wanting to take us, there's going to come a day that they begin to look at this generation as the Billy Coles of the last generation. And the T.W. Barnes of the last generation. And the James Kilgores and the Nona Freemans and the Vesta Mangans of the last generation. And I'm done. Here it is. The woman at Jacob's well. Jesus walks up to her. He begins to offer her living water. He was trying to give her access to the river of this kingdom. But this is what she said. She said, are you greater? And is the water that you have to give us greater than Jacob's well that Jacob drank from and his kids drank from and his great kids, great, great grandkids drank from? She was saying, I can only go as deep as the last generation went. This well that Jacob left us, that's the deepest that I, that I have access to. That's all I know. That's all that is available to me. I want you to know that if you're first generation, you can go deeper than any generation before you. And if you're fifth generation... You can go deeper than any generation before you. Your depth does not have to be relegated to the depth of the generation that preceded you. Hey, Joshua, you've never passed this way before. The banks overflow during all the time of harvest. 
I want every hand raised, every eye closed. When I turn you loose, I want you out of your seat, and I want you to flood this altar. When I release you, I want you out of your seat. I want you to flood this altar. You ready? David said, deep calleth unto deep. What does that mean? That means the deep has a language. The deep only understands the deep. David was saying, there is a deep place in me, and it is the depth of hunger, and it is reaching for the deep places of God. I want you to begin to lift your voice and get access to that deep place in you. You ought to get lost in the river of the Spirit. You young ladies, you young men, God's calling on you in this room to dig some old wells. Begin to lift your voice. Are you ready? Come on, let it out. I'm done. The rest is up to you. Come on, Isaac. Come on, Isaac. This altar's open if you're hungry for it. I want you to make your way out of your seat. Find a place to pray all over this house. Come on. Deep has got a call into deep. Come on, that's it. That's it. There ought to be some travail in this house. There ought to be some groaning and groaning that cannot be uttered. Come on. Come on, there needs to be some Abrahams in this house with gray hair and years of experience that teach the Isaacs, this is how you dig a well. Come on, we're not waiting on any music here tonight. It's just your raw hunger for the deep things of God. Come on, this altar call has got to last beyond this altar call. You've got to take this home and go to your prayer closet tomorrow and dig that well. And then you've got to wake up Tuesday and dig that well. And you've got to wake up Wednesday and Thursday and dig that well. And when Friday and Saturday gets here, guess what? You've got to redig that well. Come on, young men, pray until you get so deep that it's waters you can't even swim in. Come on. Come on, Abraham. Come on, Abraham, you're still living. We need you to get the flesh out of that flow. Redig that old well. We gotta get the flesh out of the way. Come on, lift your voice. I'm done. The rest is up to you. Let out that hunger from your gut. Let it out.
don't want to dismiss you. I want you to be able to linger and pray and as long as you want. But I feel like this is the type of consecration that God's calling us to. And uh, I feel like there's great victories that will come from this. But this is a path that we must go down as a church, as families, as individuals. So pray as long as you want. Uh, we're going to continue Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday praying and fasting. Brother uh, Dylan Morgan will be back with us Wednesday night. And uh, we're going to do everything we can to start this year on the right foot. And I believe God's calling us into some deep waters. I said to Brother Heron, you know, it's interesting. The Bible says deep calleth unto deep. It didn't say the deep calleth unto shallow. Amen. You're not shallow people. You're not shallow Christians. But the deep calleth the deep. And God's calling some deep people to a deeper place. God's got great things for us. So God bless you. Pray as long as you want. We love you.